This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Good morning. Hope you uh, are doing well. Uh, I'm Mike Mobley. I'm one of the pastors here at Austin Life Church. Our mission, whoa, okay. <laughs> what is that? Did you do that? Okay, anyway, Corey's a big clapper. Um, so our mission as a church, you're going to hear this over and over again, is to lead people to life in Jesus. Uh, that we can not only introduce people to life in Jesus for the very first time, but whether you've been following Jesus for a week now or for 40 years, or however long it's been, that you can experience life today and remember that Jesus gives us abundant life. Uh, that his ways are not only right, but they're actually better. Um, we've been in a series covering the book of Acts for the past few weeks. Corey's done a great job. Should we clap for Corey since we clap for me? Done a great job kicking off uh, Acts, talking about how uh, after Jesus lived a perfect life, he died on the cross, paying the penalty for our past present and future sins, and that we learn in Acts, he actually rose from the dead. It's a real thing that actually happened. Acts picks up right after the Gospels, talking about how when Jesus resurrected, he actually appeared to many people. He gave instructions in telling the early believers that they will receive power, the Holy Spirit, who will dwell within them and do greater works than he even did. Uh, Later on, we saw in Acts 2 how the Holy Spirit arrives gives power to the believers, which is the church, and begins the expansion of the church and kingdom kingdom advancement throughout the nations. It's a hard word to say. And then we see how the church was a family. They were the family of God. They were devoted to one another, meeting needs inside the church and outside the church. John Sharbach, over the past couple weeks, he talked about how we as believers are a family in a really effective way. Uh, we can be in community with one another is to remind us to stay awake, right? To stay alert, to keep our eyes fixed on what's above, not on the things of this world. How we need each other. We need people to know us, and we need to know people. And they need to know the 100% version of us, not the 90% version that we typically give off and kind of hold back the rest of the 10. We need to know people 100%, and they need to know us. We need constant reminders on following Jesus and encouragement because, honestly, we're very forgetful people. It's possible to leave even a service like this today, and five minutes later, we just forget everything we even heard. And so we need those reminders. Last week, one of the things John shared about is the challenge of the gospel. He made a great point talking about what challenges us when we think about the gospel today. So not necessarily the message of the gospel, but in regards to actually following Jesus and applying following him to our lives. What today, as we follow him, challenges us in our walk, right? What challenges you to lay down your life for the glory of God? And another way of saying it is how are we decreasing and how is Jesus increasing in your life? And for those who don't follow Jesus today, how does the message of the gospel challenge you? It's just some things to think about. So that brings us up to today. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts. We're going to be in Acts uh, chapters 4 and 5, and you can hold your spot at Acts 4.13. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we have plenty there in the back. I'm sure Brandon would be happy to give them out to you. Uh, Our fancy blue Bible is back there. But all honesty, if you don't have one, please grab it, keep it. 
Uh, if you have a friend, coworker, neighbor who doesn't have a Bible, grab one, keep it, give it to them. It's really our gift to you. Uh, the Word of God will always be the authority for us as a church. Uh, we believe the Bible is 100% perfect, and it is without error. And we see in Hebrews 4 that the Bible is actually living and active. It discerns the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. That when we actually read this Bible, it's not just a book. When we actually open it up, turn the pages, read it for ourselves, activity takes place. Something is happening inside of us, and we're becoming more like Jesus just by reading his word. And so it's not just a book for us. It's always going to be our guide as a church. So Acts 4.13, we're picking up right in the middle of this chapter. And if you remember from last week, if you were here, Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples, they're boldly proclaiming Christ, and they just recently healed a man, and many are having issues with it. The rulers and elders of the day, they gather together in Jerusalem, and as it mentions here in verse 5 with the high priest, they start questioning Peter and John. They continue to be bold in their answers to the questions, and then we see this starting in verse 13. So if you read with me, the verses will be on the screen as well. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, rather to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. God, we ask this morning that you would open up our hearts and our minds to hear your word, that the activity of your word would move through us right now. Uh, Holy Spirit, by your power, we could become more like Jesus today or begin to follow Jesus for the first time, uh, but we need you. We need you every step of the way. And when we read your word, we need help and wisdom and understanding it and discerning it. And so I pray you would bless uh, this time right now. You would use me however you see fit, that our hearts, as we just sang, would just be open to whatever it is you have for us. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is where you have to love the Bible and its honesty. So the fact that Peter and John were uneducated and common men, right? It's typically really hard for us to identify, I think, with someone else on their strengths, right? They kind of maybe say how they, this is going to be a bad example, but whatever. So they, they, they may say they share the gospel like 30 times, and you're kind of like, oh, that's great. You know, you kind of want to maybe punch that person in the face, but not because they shared the gospel. That's a good thing. We're not going to punch someone for that, but it's hard to identify with that, right? But then someone says, it was really tough for me to read the Bible today. Like, 
sharing the gospel. So that was super challenging. We're like, yes, like me too. We identify with each other in our weaknesses. The good news about something like this we see in Acts 4, we don't have to be Bible scholars to talk about Jesus, right? We don't have to be super Christians, whatever those are. We just have to be ordinary people, ordinary followers of Jesus, and God will use us to do extraordinary things, right? Just ordinary people, ordinary followers of Jesus doing extraordinary things through the power of God. So, of course, you know, it's a good thing to get your education. I'm not saying everyone run out of here on education, stay in school, right? So, but the fact that God can and wants to use every single person in this room, every single person listening or watching, we, we're all eligible for God to use us. It doesn't matter what our background was. It doesn't matter what our education was. It doesn't matter the struggles we're currently going through today. God can and still wants to use us uh, for his glory. He's placed tremendous purpose and value on every single one of your lives. And he sees you much higher than you more than likely see yourself. We're our worst critic. Like, if we're pretty honest, we just at times think really negatively about ourselves. But God sees tremendous value with that, and we have to do something with that. And so later on in verse 19, we see Peter and John's response to those who are questioning them. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard, right? Peter and John, they, they've seen and heard Christ. They witnessed Jesus himself living a perfect life, walking in perfect humility, perfectly loving others, and then suffered on the cross and died. And then they witnessed him rising from the grave three days later. There's something about this, in my opinion, when we read the boldness of Peter and John. There's just something that almost comes awake in you when you read something like that. There's just something that's almost contagious to just to think like, okay, let's imagine if I was there, or if you were there, and being questioned, challenged, or even threatened, maybe, for your faith. It's very possible. And then you boldly stand up and declare, I can't help but speak of what Jesus has done for me and what he's done for you and done for all. I believe there's something in us. I believe there's the Holy Spirit within us, but I believe something almost comes awake when we read something like that. Like, I, I really want that. I don't know how maybe to, how to get there, but I really, really want to be bold like that. Thank God for those who've gone before us in the church. They've paved the way for us here and now in 2020 to be bold. And it's on us now. It's our turn to love people well. It's our turn to contribute to the church and to the kingdom expansion and start to pave the way for the next generation of the church, for the glory of God and for the good of others. Examples like this, I think, in Acts 4, they're very powerful for us. I think they mean a lot to us. But let's talk about another story, one that is equally as powerful but for different reasons. So turn with me to Acts 5. So the church at this time, we've kind of covered this. They're devoting themselves to the mission and to each other, right? They're giving of what they had for the benefit of everyone, meeting all the needs that were there. And then we read about Ananias and Sapphira. So if you'd read with me here, verse 1. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. 
But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in and found her dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. So, like the first story in Acts 5, or in Acts 4, the Bible... The Bible's honest. What we're seeing here are two completely different approaches uh, to obedience. Peter and John, looking at arrest, a beating, and maybe even death, they reply with, we cannot speak of what we have seen. We can't help but speak of what we have seen and heard. And they're obedient to what God was calling them to do. And meanwhile, Ananias and Sapphira gave the outward appearance of obedience. But in reality, they were lying to God and to others, therefore not being obedient. When it says in verse 2, Ananias kept back, the Greek word for kept back is nosphizo, meaning to put aside for oneself, to keep back in a secret and dishonest way. It was a big deal of how they were keeping back. See, the church, was they were experiencing unity at that time. They were devoted to the mission of God. They were devoted to each other. And Ananias and Sapphira, they abused it. They abused that fellowship through deception, and thereby they threatened the unity of the church. It is a big deal. So I don't believe God has given us uh, his word to, to scare us necessarily, like to terrify us, because he isn't a God of fear who wants to terrify us per se, but a God who does want us to repent. He is a God who wants us to repent, not perish. We see that in 2 Peter 3.9. It says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's desire for you and for me is to repent and find life in him, to not perish and be separated from him. And at the same time, while we don't, need to be terrified of God necessarily, we should respect and have reverence for him. And sometimes that's missing in us. We should honor him not only because he is God, and frankly, that's enough reason why. We could stop right here and say, he's God, we're not. We should have the utmost reverence and respect for him. But on top of that, for those of us who are following Jesus, we surrendered our rights over to him. We chose to honor him and follow him for the rest of our lives. The call of a disciple is to follow Jesus in full, radical obedience, right? The call of a disciple is to follow Jesus in full, radical obedience. Radical meaning 
thorough, complete, total, entire, absolute, exhaustive, far-reaching, wide-ranging, extensive, profound, drastic, severe, serious, major, desperate, rigorous. Would you say you're following Jesus in this way? Right? If you take a second here and reflect on your love for God, I'm not saying anyone's going to do this perfect because no one's going to get this perfect. Every single day we're going to make mistakes. But when you think about, okay, my love for God and God alone, how would you describe that? And that commitment that you've made, would you describe it as thorough, complete, total, right, entire, absolute, exhaustive, far-reaching, wide-ranging, extensive, profound, drastic, severe, serious, major, desperate, or rigorous? Now, maybe you'd answer yes to that question and seriously praise God, press on, keep going, keep leading people to life in Jesus. Seriously, it's, it's okay if you actually would describe it that way. I think most of us would say no. So why is that? If you think back to the time that you first put your faith and trust in the Lord, you might not have thought in those words, defining kind of radical, but there was a moment. There, there was a moment for... the for those of us who chose a full surrender, at least at some point we said, all right, I believe. I may not know it all. I may not really understand, but Jesus, I'm in. We pushed our chips in. We said we're all in. There was at least some time we made a decision for those of us who followed Jesus. We said I'm in. At least hopefully there was. But just remember that. So then what would have changed between that day and today, what's the difference between day one when we said we're all in and day, you know, 791? Corey and I and other leaders, we've been talking about this with many of you, and we've been in quite the season of prayer and seeking out the Lord for what's best for Austin Life Church. And we really believe, all of us, including ourselves, that we're lacking in our love for God. There's something there just lacking for us in that. You see, obedience in following the Lord, obedience is not a choice, right? Loving God is a choice, and we choose on any given day to love God. And when we love God, we, we won't be able to help but be obedient. Obedience is a natural byproduct of loving God. And if that's the case, we have to look at it from the other angle. If we're not being obedient, we have to ask the question, are we loving God? So I'm not saying it doesn't necessarily mean you're not a believer. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. It could mean that. But what I mean on any given day, just any day at all, when we choose not to do the things of God, we've clearly chosen that day not to love God. We just chose to love ourselves instead. The reason being is because we, as we continue to develop and cultivate our relationship and love for God, if we kind of think vertically here, as that's growing, we won't be able to help but outwardly express our love for God and obedience and everything he's called us to do. So think about it this way. This is just a couple different ways to think about it. We've got to fix our eyes on the Lord daily. And so I know there's different examples for this, but just think vertically, right? As we're developing this relationship with God himself, it'll spill over to everything we do horizontally. It's kind of an input and output mindset. If our input is increasing, our output will increase. And likewise, if output's kind of not happening, 
we don't really have an output problem. We have an input issue. There's something at the source that needs to be addressed. Some examples of what our output and obedience can, can kind of look like, especially as a church, as followers of Jesus, are gathering together as a church. We'll continue to gather together in worship through music, prayer, and the word. We'll come together in community groups during the week to actually share life and grow in faith together. That's why we have them. We'll meet in our discipleship groups in a way to hold each other accountable and ask, how is this going? How is your individual walk with the Lord doing? We'll serve the church just like we see in Acts, making sure there's no needs at all amongst us. And then also continue to look to meet needs outside the church for the city. We'll invite new friends into our lives and we'll actually communicate the gospel with our words out of our mouths, speaking audibly. And then we'll give not only of our times and abilities, but of our finances as well. It's all God's. Time, abilities, finances, possessions, resources, everything God has given us is God's first and foremost. Those are some ways of what it can look like with kind of a healthy output, with healthy obedience. So then, what are some ways we can tell when there's a disconnect in our input? If we're lacking in our love for God. So I'm not saying this is everyone. But you might think, okay, you know, I guess i got to show up to church again this Sunday. I don't have anything else going on. Uh, and, you know, the weather's okay, so I'll, I'll make it, okay? You don't have to show up to church. We get to show up to church. We get this opportunity. It's a miracle we're in this room right now. We have to remember this perspective. All of us, whether di different backgrounds and upbringing and sins, we're all here. We're all here gathered together under the commonality of Jesus. This is a miracle. We will typically say, God, I want to be a part of a miracle. I want to be a part of one of those someday. You are right now. You are every week. People don't just gather like this together in worship, especially people of di just different backgrounds. This is a miracle. We get the opportunity to gather together to encourage one another, to spur one another on to love and good works. We're a family, and it matters when a family member is missing. There's great value in being here over and over again, week to week, every time. You might think the same thing about community group. You know, I'll show up if there's nothing else going on. If traffic is bad or the weather's bad and Mopac and 35, well, construction on 35 is going to be going on forever. But if all that's bad, I'm just going to skip it until next week. I, I get what you're saying, but again, we're missing it. We're missing that we actually get to see each other in our homes or in public places. We actually get to share life with each other and grow in faith together. People strive and fight and sometimes are killed, and they're looking for the ability to do that. And we get to do this every week. It's just a perspective shift for us. When we look at community group, not as a place of, what am I going to get out of this this week? But instead, we look at it like, what can I contribute to this this week? That changes the game. That changes everything. Your presence matters. Even if you don't say anything at community group, your presence matters. Being there is very important. You might think, okay, here's the deal. I show up on Sunday. I show up on my community group during the week. I'm drawing the line. I'm not doing anything else. Whatever these discipleship groups are that you guys are doing, I'm not doing any of that. Okay, well, the problem is, Discipleship groups, it's not just another thing to add to your calendar. It's not just another to-do item for us. 
We've got to have people in our lives that can ask us the tough questions, who know us 100%, and they're challenging us to say, how is this going with your walk with the Lord? Because that is of the utmost importance. If we're doing a bunch of output stuff, but we're not developing input, we're not developing our relationship with the Lord, we're just missing it. We've got to have people in our lives like that. Sundays and community groups, they matter. They're very important. But you're not going to always have that conversation with someone here. You, you could, it could get missed, right? We can come in here and do service and leave, and no one really asks us the tough questions. It can get missed at community groups, too. But it doesn't get missed at discipleship group. We believe this is one of the primary areas where we can help each other grow in our love for God. You might think, you know what, I, I'm kind of good as a Christian. I got my thing. I don't really have time to serve. It's kind of my schedule. It's my Sunday. It's my priorities. I get it. Like, I get, I, I feel that with you. We all have a lot of things going on. But just because you have a lot going on doesn't necessarily mean that you're busy. We might just be distracted, right? The call to serve and meet needs, especially as we see here in Acts, within the church and outside the church, it's clear from Scripture, and Jesus modeled this for us so well. We should not only be the most joyful people on the planet as Christians, and we should, but there shouldn't be a need within this body whatsoever. We should be meeting all of our needs. We shouldn't have needs on our teams on Sunday. We shouldn't be asking any of that. We, sh we should be, out of the overflow of love for God, meeting needs inside the church and looking for ways to meet needs outside the church for the city of Austin, just for the glory of God and for the good of others. And lastly, last example, I know these are hard examples. You might be good with your circle of friends and you kind of think, we don't really need any more. Like our discipleship group is set, our community group kind of feels comfortable. Just remember the times you've been in places with no friends, right? Remember when you felt incredibly lonely and frankly kind of terrified of meeting new people. And now consider the outsider, right? Consider the people who not only need friends, but they need true God-honoring friends. They need real friends. Consider the people who need Jesus. They need to hear the gospel. And you have the opportunity to make new friends and introduce them to Jesus, to actually show them what it's like to experience life in Jesus. Just imagine what it would be like if friends come to your mind right now, being able to introduce them to life in Jesus and what that would look like. That would look incredible. I think these examples, and I'm with you in these, I think these are difficult for us because we have a culture geared towards making everything about ourselves, right? Our time our abilities, our money. But when you look at what Jesus has called us to do, it's the opposite of that. It's not about that. It's being selfless with our time, the time God has allowed us to have, right? Our abilities, the ones God gave us in the first place. And then with our money and resources and possessions, which is really all of God's. And then he calls us to be a good steward, he entrusts that to us, and we manage that well. And so, please, as we kind of get ready to close, just hear me on this, okay? If there's only one thing you're going to take away, hopefully there's more than one. Um, if there's just one thing you're going to take away, doing all these things, when we talk about output and gathering together, encouraging one another, serving those, they are great and godly. 
but they in of themselves will not produce a greater love of God. If you aren't reading the Bible yourself, if you're not constantly praying yourself, if you're not developing that relationship vertically, these things will start feeling kind of empty and eventually kind of pointless. You'll just kind of do it off of adrenaline and eventually just kind of get tired of it and go like, what's the point? And it's easy. We just forget at times. I don't want anyone necessarily to feel guilty this morning, but you might be feeling that way. You might be thinking even this morning when you showed up, just kind of like, ah, just kind of do my thing today, you know, whatever. It's, It's okay. Don't lose heart in that. I think the reason you might feel this way is because you've moved on from your first love. You just forgot. It doesn't mean you've lost your first love, necessarily. I'm not not saying that. I'm just saying maybe you just forgot. And we need to be reminded and kind of shifted back to be looking up first vertically before we look horizontally. I keep saying vertically and horizontally, so sorry. That might be distracting. You might have filled your schedule with so many things you just barely have time for God. You just need to take a good hard look at your schedule and priorities. That might be it. Got to remember in these moments, God is a God of repentance, right? He doesn't want you to perish, so you can right here, right now, this morning, you can repent. You can turn from that disobedience, fix your eyes on the Lord, and just ask him for forgiveness and move forward. You got to remember, just like last week, we had a half marathon in Austin. Following Jesus is a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. And just like in a marathon, we have to be fueled and trained in order for that to even take place. God can fill us up each and every day. And as we remember what Jesus has done out of our love for God, we're not going to be able to help but be obedient in response. Peter and John, they were growing in their love for God. They were remembering constantly what they've seen and heard. And they couldn't help but be obedient to what God was calling them to do. Right? That's why they're just like, we can't help it. We've got to do it. We've got to speak of what we've seen and heard. Ananias and Sapphira were not growing in their love for God, but they were growing in their love of self, and instead that spilled over to being disobedient. As we grow in our love for God, we will grow in our obedience to him, right? Loving God produces obedience. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time, and thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a God of, that seeks for us to repent and not perish, that you're patient towards us, you're continuously loving towards us, that you don't give up on us. And I pray that for the times we forget honestly, at times just forget you and maybe just lack in our love for you, that we can just confess that this morning, that we don't, we're not condemned. You don't condemn us for that. You've sent your son on our behalf. So we're not condemned. We're not guilty at the end of the day. Praise God that we're not. And I pray that we would be spurred on to love and obedience. 
God, that we'd be able to confess our ways of when we take our eyes off of you and we keep our eyes on ourselves. when we just miss what you're doing in our lives just because we've filled our schedules with so many things. We want to work hard. We want to do great things for you, God. Just help us along the way. Give us wisdom and discernment along the way to know what are the things of you and what are the things we need to let go of. I pray that our hearts, God, we would open our hearts for more of you. That we'd be satisfied this morning and this week and the week after that and the week after that with just you. That you'd be enough. That maybe we can remember what it was like on day one. And we said we were all in have the mindset as a church to be all in. We want people, God, to experience life in you every day. Would you give us more of that life today? Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.